coming up in this episode, uh, my old pal Wilson Bieber is on. We are starting a weekly recap podcast series going off of The Mandalorian. Disney Plus's hit show aired uh, like four years ago now. It's kind of been a while. It's been a while since we had season two, but season three premiered just last night. Um, and so we wanted to give our thoughts, just transparency, just be able to nerd out a little bit about Star Wars and about what we watched and the great show that we enjoyed. And so we've got, uh, that is coming up next. But uh, before that, just want to say that I've had this podcast for a year now and I've enjoyed doing it. I appreciate anyone who has listened. If you've shared it with other people, if you've hit follow on Spotify or wherever else you get your podcast, that's pretty cool. So I appreciate that. Um, if you enjoy what you hear in this Mandalorian recap series, feel free to pass that along as well to somebody else you think might enjoy it. And again, I just appreciate the support for anyone who's taking up their time, plugging in my voice, listening to it uh, while they're you know, doing whatever it may be. Uh, I've enjoyed doing this. It's a nice little hobby. Uh, I like to talk. My wife will attest to that. And so uh, it's nice to turn it into a, a little time spent with friends and chatting about the things that we enjoy. So uh, coming up in this episode, the first of season three, The Mandalorian with Wilson, and that is coming up next. This is the way. All right. Welcome to Navarro in a galaxy far, far away. Uh, my old pal Wilson Bieber is here beginning our first of what will be a weekly recap deep dive series into one of the greatest productions of this decade, century, ever. What do you think? How are you, sir? This is the way. I'm doing good. You're, you're jazzed up. You've got all your stuff. You, you Okay, so I got to say, because audio production, um, I do have to mention that you opened with a Mando helmet on your face, and it was it was fantastic. I got to bring the the magic to the podcast. You got to bring it to life. Uh, that was a nice touch. So we're we're going weekly. You and I uh, are excited to start this adventure into Star Wars land and, and the Mando universe. Uh, weekly, doing a recap of the episodes that we just watched within the last twenty four hours or so. And uh, so I watched last night at about probably about nine o'clock. I wish I could have watched before school, but is that about what time you watched? Yeah, I I had to wait till the kids go to bed and then watch it. Exactly. Yep, I was in the same boat, and uh, I I noticed though it was only thirty eight minutes, so that was exciting. I I thought about knocking it out before work, but uh, didn't quite get there. Yeah, I think a lot of fans were disappointed that was such a short episode. But I think it was a great way to introduce season three. I agree. So let me give a quick rundown. We got the Mando rundown, and I'm going to try and give this in about 30 seconds here. And I think I can do it, and then you're going to fill in the holes. So here we go. Episode starts with uh, the Mulder. I already butchered a name. Mulder giving a helmet to a younger child who I thought at first was uh, young Mando, but it turns out to not be because Mando and Grogu swoop in to save the day, shooting the dragon that was attacking the Mandalore. We go to the armorer and Mando having a conversation about his exile. Mando goes to Navarro and Grief Kriga, Grief Karga, um, to try to get his old IG-11 droid back. He learns that he needs a part from IG-11, and so he ends up going to uh, trying to find the rivers of Mandalore and ends up seeing Bo-Katan right before the episode ends. I think I was close. I think that was long. That was about 40 seconds. 
yeah, but that was that was a pretty good recap um, for a layman's term for a, a non Star Wars type fan. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, uh, so that was that was a little over thirty seconds, but pretty good. So we talked about kind of sharing out uh, why we are big Star Wars fans, and I don't have the story that that you do, so I'll just go first. I mean, I saw um, Phantom Menace. Uh, I remember having like a a piggy bank for like my ninth birthday. And it was, and we've talked about sort of where we were at time-wise for some of these trilogies, um, because you're a a tad bit older than me, but uh, ninth birthday, I remember having something with like a Star Wars piggy bank. And I think I had one that was Obi-Wan and my brother had one that was Darth Maul and he hooked them up and they attached and I was super into it and I loved that. And so since then, I've always sort of had a passive interest. And then as I've gotten older... I've really appreciated um, the films and some of the stuff they've come out with has been really, really good and sort of the canon of it all. So I, I would say that's uh, really, as I've grown older, it's I've kind of been able to grow up with it, which is kind of cool. So what do you got? What's your Star Wars story? Well, to show my age, I was born during production of the three original movies, the original trilogy. Um, and so growing up, I had a VHS tape that my parents recorded from CBS that aired um, the original trilogy, Empire Strikes Back, and and Return of the Jedi. But I watched that tape of A New Hope, was what we call it now, um, the original movie, the original Star Wars. I watched that so many times that I burned the tape up. The tape, the film actually snapped because I watched it so many times. And that was my thing is – watching that over and over and over again and having the original Kenner figures that I played with. Um, and now I see my own son playing with toys the same way that I did um, back in the eighties. Pretty cool. I, and I can think of like videos I watched as a kid too, where I'm, you know, maxing out the VHS or, you know, watching it so much that your parents get absolutely driven insane by the fact that you're watching it over and over. Um, so I wanted to start with, uh, I guess our, our favorite part of, I want to at the top of each episode, give our favorite parts of each episode. And so, uh, best part of this show, first episode, which I should mention was called the apostate. Um, somebody who has been, I guess, sort of banished for a, uh, deeper purpose deeper reason uh but best part of the show what do you got that's so tough because i'm such a huge star wars nerd um i would this is where i should mention that we did get second place in mandalorian trivia uh one of our local places should have got first we messed up one flipping question how many points we lost by two points yeah and that night, I think, was what sparked us to talk about let's do a podcast Yeah, when the new season came came out. Um, I just – I love the fact that it was just – it's back. Star Wars is back. Mandalorian is back on TV every week. Um, I think the fact – I think my favorite part was when he rolls up towards the end on the mm. planet – and it's the it's a moon of Mandalore, so he's in the area, and he arrives at this Mandalorian castle. And the fact that he walks in, and at the very end of the hallway, 
is Bogatan Chris, and she's just like chilling. She's just lounged up in her throne, just yeah. like what's up. But she I, is like has all these feelings. I had some questions about that. Number one being, why is Bogatan just sitting like that? Um, very big question. Like, why is why is that the position which she is in, and why is she doing literally nothing? Is she like meditating? Is she contemplating life? I, many questions about why she was sitting, where she was sitting, and how she was sitting. But I mean, well, I think she's she's contemplating what to do next. Um, because if you go back to uh, Star Wars Rebels, the animated series, if you go back to the Clone Wars, the animated series, she's a big time character. And the whole thing is that she is trying to gain control of Mandor and you reunite the Mandalorians as a group of people. And she has gone away. She's gone about it the wrong way. She's been cursed. And this just, this first episode kind of extends that. And she has lost her way. Um, she Which should be hard her, to do because she should know this is the way. So, you know. Right, and she's <laughs> lost her her followers. She like in the season two when she was first um, introduced as in live action, she had two partners that was part of her clan. Now they're gone away because they're mercenaries, uh, according mm-hmm. to the episode, and they're just uh, navigating the galaxy like Mandalorian, like uh, the Mandalorian said, like Dinjarin said in the preview and in the episode itself. And so she's just without anybody, and she doesn't know what to do because she doesn't have the dark saber. She doesn't have the right to the dark saber right now, so she can't lead her people like she feels like she's meant to be. Yeah, I sort of forgot about the dark saber, but um, you know, if we if we ended up forgetting anything between season two and season three of The Mandalorian, yes, we got Boba Fett, but which was kind of like Mando two point five, season two point five, but. Um, did you realize what a tremendous gap we had between season two and this season? 27 months. Yes. Two years. Yeah. Two years. That was a long Gro- time that Grogu went to train with Luke Skywalker. That's what we, we forgot at the trivia was that Luke Skywalker made an appearance in the book of Fett. How did we forget that? I, we don't need to bring it back up. It's a touchy subject. It was Trust two me, points. I, I know. Yeah, yeah. I know you're living it. It was two points, right? Yeah, and that was drinking money. That was a big time drinking money, like for that. Yeah, um, they did do a good job. You know, you mentioned how they referenced how Bo-Katan's followers are no longer with her. They did do a good job, I thought, of sort of explaining away Cara Dune's departure as she goes to work with the I forget what they said the the New Royal New Republic Guard, and they explained off Moff Gideon's departure from the show with. With, uh, so I think they just kind of weaved in those pretty uh, swiftly and efficiently. Right. I, I don't think we've seen the end of Moff Gideon. I wouldn't I think, either. I think he's a big baddie, but I think there's another big baddie that they're going to bring into the Mandoverse that's going to be connected through the other live-action TV series. What do you think about the theory? I saw this somewhere. I don't know if I read this or heard it somewhere, but I know it's in the recesses of my brain. The armor as the big baddie of this season. Maybe you you were the one that maybe told me that. She's an antagonist. I don't know if she's a, a big baddie, but she's an antagonist because she's kind of the leader of 
the Children of the Watch, and that's the faction that the Mandalorian mm-hmm. um, is a part of, and that's what you see throughout this series is that faction of Mandalorians, and she's the one that has kept telling the Mandalorian, Din Djarin, what to do. You got to do this. You got to take Grogu back to his people. You you got to go find this. You got to go to the living waters of Mandalore to redeem yourself from taking off your helmet. So she's keeps reminding Din Djarin, you've got to follow this creed. This is the way. Mm-hmm. That's her creed is that she keeps saying that because she's the one that is kind of the leader of that faction. So she's kind of an antagonist, not so much a big baddie. Yeah, as a literary person as an English teacher I appreciate that you just differentiated for everybody out there the difference between you do not have to be the bad guy to be an antagonist uh, or the other way around you don't have to be yeah 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 you don't have to be the bad guy to be an antagonist but uh, to be the anyway you get the point Um, (laughs) (laughs) going back to it I think my favorite part of this episode was right in the beginning it's like you talked about we're just happy that this world is back we're happy that the show is back and Favreau and Filoni, the double F boys. Uh, this show did everything you want to see in a Mando episode, I thought. From the beginning, uh, that opening scene we got, to the revisiting of a world previously built, to Grogu stuff, to Mando stuff, uh, to Grogu and, and Mando broing out uh, with you know the end, the intrigue of future adventures. Just that, just when they had you in the beginning, like I mentioned in the rundown, I thought that was maybe... Din, Din Djarin, at the beginning of his time becoming a Mandalore, uh, a Mandalorian, when the armorer was going through the process of making this helmet, and I know it's not his helmet, so I should have recognized that, but I just thought that could be a Pedro Pascal lookalike, younger version, and I thought that could be a flashback. And so they really threw you for a loop when Din's ship comes zooming in and he hits this big alligator monster crocodile looking thing. And you know, right then that's when the music drops. And I think it's going to be really tough for me not to say the music is the best part of every episode. Cause I freaking love that Mandalorian song. It is the best hands down. And, uh, so when that music drops and then the ship lands and it's, it's Din and he opens his ship, but then little Grogu pops his head up. That was the best part. And then the, then the credit opening credits drop. Um, I watched, like I said, I watched it before we popped on again tonight. Cause I was like, I just got to watch those first seven, eight minutes again. That to me was the best part. But I, I also like the way that they're portraying Grogu just out the start. And now there's rumors that he's going to take a bigger role in the series that he's not mm-hmm. just going to be this little tiny subject that he's actually going to have more of a role. And I love the fact that when he goes to Navarro, they go to Navarro and they're sitting there and, uh, What's his name? I'm drawing a blank. Grief. Griefs. They're sitting in his office. Grogu is in a chair spinning around, <laughs> using the force to spin a chair around. And then he's using the force to pull like Skittles a from a candies. jar yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and pop in his mouth. Like it, he's a kid now. Like, And he's acting like a kid, not so and much just an alien. Yeah, he's not just – he's moved from the infant toddler stage to now he's an obnoxious – pesky eight-year-old who's doing things right. that are kind of driving you nuts yeah he's so endearing and so cute then and grogu what a pair um now i think though we can we can get to my my first segment i got here which is where i just hit we hit you with some questions this, this segment's gonna be called ask beef 
Okay. <laughs> All right. So first question in Ask Beef. What the heck was that monster? What the heck was that freaking alligator thing? All right. So it's like a dinosaur type monster. There's nothing like anything like it. It's a alligator slash turtle dinosaur. That's all they can t- what they say about it. Okay. Well, I like that you don't have much more of an answer than I had because that was that would have been what I typed up if no, I were to report. I think they just brought it in because they if you go back to season one and season two, there's always this big bad monster that Din Djarin has to take mm-hmm. down. You had the Mudhorn, and that was their insignia on his shoulder. Now they're the yeah. Mudhorn clan, so they always had to take this big, big down, take down this big old monster. Yeah, and then he had the whatever he helped. Um... The Marshall with in season two, right? Oh yeah, the big sand dinosaur thing. Yeah, whatever that thing was. Okay, right. So second question: Ask Beef, who is Vane? Vane is the pirate that antagonizes uh, Grief and says, yeah. "I want to go in this bar. You owe me money. You owe me a drink." Blah, blah blah. And Grief's like, "Wait a minute, that's a school now. You can't go in there. There's kids learning. Like, no." And he's like. Oh no 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 no! So there's not really a backstory, but you got to understand okay. grief. Grief is a bounty hunter. He's head of, or he used to be the head of the uh, right. the guild. I forgot about that. Guild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was the big. He was a antagonist too in season one. He and Dinjarin went head to head. Yeah. Now he has cleaned up Navarro, and he's the high magistrate yeah. of. Thank you. Good job recognizing that. that. So he's like the the leader of this city, Navarro city. And he's got it cleaned up. He's trying to make sure that everything's legit. Everything's going, but the past always comes back to haunt him. Oh yeah. I liked his robe. Just like a subtle point. Oh my god! And the little, and the little droids that were was, uh, making sure it, it was it so was extra, but yeah, it was so extra. And they were like carrying his, his train <laughs> with them and they were like falling down the stairs and everything. It was a fun little bit that we had. Carl Weathers playing the role of this, like you said, bounty hunter, which I forgot about, turned turned high magistrate, but he still was kind of quipping in those comic roles where, you know, he would say like high magistrate, which was a fun little touch to a show that's otherwise pretty serious outside of the Grogu um, shenanigans. All right, last question I got for you, and that's sort of what I'm looking for. I'm looking for you know the vain backstory because you know all the stuff way better than I do. Uh, last question for Ask Beeve: Who is King Gorian Shard, other than what we saw in the show tonight? King Gorian Char. The little right. uh, Davy Jones locker-looking space green Ninja Turtle guy. The, ninja... the dude in the spaceship. The guy who Vane was working with. Oh, he's he's part of the pirates. Uh, that we don't really know yet what's going on with that. But apparently, there's this huge pirate clan that's kind of antagonizing uh, the universe, and they're now Din Djarin has put himself on their radar. So they might be following uh, the Mandalorian Din Djarin throughout the galaxy and kind of being this like just gnat that he has to keep mm. swatting away. Um, but I think that something has to do with Navarro and. Uh, the high magistrate and their past. Okay. I like that theory that maybe we don't see that guy again for three episodes and then he comes back and sort of is a nuisance 
in uh, maybe like episode four or five or something. Right. All right. Yeah, well, that's you, stumped, a, you stumped me on that one. Well, that's I saved the best for last then. That's the last I got. I'm not going to put you to test anymore. That was it. That was Ask Beef uh, where I just <laughs> throw questions at you that I don't know much about. So you're the uh, you're my resident expert. So uh, that was the last one I had. How uh, how cool was it for you to see IG-11 again? Uh, that was such a great callback to season one. And the fact that Din Djarin was trying to put him back together to use him as his navigator to go to Mandalore. And as soon as he turned him on, he started like doing a Terminator type thing and going after creepy. Grogu. It was really creepy. And he like reverted back to his original programming that he was going to go after the target, after the target, after the target. And so, um, they what did was, a great what job. That, what was the phrase? Was it eliminate the asset? Yes. Eliminate the asset. That's it. That was creepy, dude. That was like a horror scene straight in the middle of this episode. Yes. But I love the fact over. Yeah. He flips over Grogu to grief. That was fun. What were you going to say? Well, that, I love the fact that, um, they're like, we got to like Din Djarin's dead set on having him as his navigator. He's like, we got to find a way to have like bring back his old memory or whatever else. So they go to a mechanic shop and lo and behold, there is uh, Bobby yeah. Fritt from the rise of Skywalker sitting there and a bunch of his buddies. Now they don't come out and say that's who it is, but come on. How many well, other I, little tiny aliens are there like that? What is it? The Anzellans that yes. grief mentions. And I knew as soon as they said it, I was like, okay, so it's probably a callback that Wilson's going to know and I'm not. But then I saw him, and I remembered we saw him somewhere, and I saw I had to look it up. Um, and I didn't know the individual guy's name, but uh, they were fun. And that, that provided us that funny scene with uh, when Mando needs a translation at first, and Grief's translating, and then Mando starts figuring it out, and Grief's still translating. and uh, He's like, I got great. it, man. Come on. I got it. <laughs> I got it. Seriously, chill out. Stop. Um, yeah, I think that was so... It was really, um, it was an authentic moment from Din when he says, I need a droid to a company and I need to know it's one that I trust. So what better than to go back to one who literally gave his life self-combusting to save me and the little guy. Right. That was a nice, nice moment. And they had a stat, like they turned him into a statue in the middle of the city to show that that was the signal of the end of the Imperial reign in Navarro. Yeah, that was cool. Really cool. And so I think we've already hit on the fact that we had a super cool action scene start off the show. We had this like horror type scene with IG-11. You have the cute, funny moments with Grogu. You have the triumphant scenes when you come back to Navarro and it's cleaned up and you got IG-11. And the fact that, see, I would argue against those who said this episode was too short. I think the fact that they were able to so flawlessly execute all those moments within a runtime of just over a half hour is tremendously impressive. It's really, well, really noteworthy. Well, then you also had a dogfight in space. You had an actual <laughs> oh, I forgot about war that. in Star with the pirates. I forgot like, about that totally in the rundown too. That was well, you, that was you a fantastic scene. You mentioned earlier when you were trying to stump me with uh, Shard, but like that was a dogfight, like the old timey war movies. At just like the original Star Wars and all that, and they had that in the episode. Like they had so much packed in to that thirty-five minute episode. It was that was so cool. And dude, when he started hiding behind rocks and just freaking sniping guys, that was 
like oh right i mean it, the camera was going so fast that that you couldn't keep up with dinjarin and where he was and so like you felt like you were one of the pirates trying to figure out what's going to happen next so admittedly i'm kind of a weirdo um but it sort of started when i watched the first season and then transcended with the second season that when I watch and it's after the wife's gone to bed and the kids are asleep, I will turn off all the lights in the living room yes. and give myself that movie theater type experience. And when I was watching that, um, that fight scene with the ships in space, uh, it really was like, you know, having to blink the eyes, like, Oh my gosh, taking all this in is, is pretty, pretty fantastic. Well, that's what, like, that's what's such a genius part that John Farvey and, Dave Filoni has brought back to Star Wars. Like they, like they've continued on George Lucas' idea of what he wanted to do, and this, the spaghetti western, this like old timey war movies with the planes flying around, but now it's spaceships. Like they have continued to bring that essence in, and brought it forward into this century. It's, it's quite the feat, and those guys. Favreau and Filoni, just maestros, brilliant. I'd like um, to talk more about them later on, like down the road some. Yeah, well, so the last thing I had to hit was just the, the fact that Bro- Bo-Katan popped on for like two minutes, and we sort of hit at it earlier. It was tremendously menacing, super sulking, uh, not helpful at all to Din, I would argue. And then that was it, and I really didn't expect the episode to end there. Did you? I kept, yeah, because I kept an eye on the time because I was like, all right, what's going to happen next? What like what do they have left to pack into this short episode? And I was like, is he actually going to go to Mandalore and start exploring, or is he going to go somewhere else? And he goes to a moon, lands by a castle, finds Bo-Katan, and kind of is talking to her to see what his next step is. And their discussion is talking about how she's all like, Oh, Mandalore's destroyed. There's nothing left. Blah 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 blah. And he's like, "But I've got to find a way to mm-hmm. redeem myself." He's all about this redemption. He's got to make things right for taking off his helmet, and because he follows the creed so intently, he's all about that creed. Which is so fascinating that you mentioned that. But this is a guy who also abandoned that creed for Grogu. Shows that bond that the two of those guys have. And it's such a father-son relationship, mm-hmm. and we're going to continue to see that, I think, throughout this season. And like, I know John Farvey's already written season four, so he already knows what's going to happen next. And I'm curious to see if that relationship is going to continue on, or is it going to shift into a different direction? Yeah, and I saw something this week too. Read somewhere that you know he doesn't anticipate an end to the Mandalorian. He wants to keep it going forever, but. You know, you mentioned that father-son relationship that has been honed for two two plus seasons, and uh, I think it's no more so evident than when Grogu's doing the spinning in the chair, and Mando just reaches over and is like, doesn't say anything, just stops the chair. It's such yeah. a dad move. Such a dad move. <laughs> All right, like, so not go for it. He he did the same thing back in season one when Grogu kept trying to grab for the mm. uh, the stick. And kept taking the little uh, top of it off and kept playing with that. Like, such a, a kid move. And the dad was like, stop. Like, Din Djarin's like, stop. Such a dad thing to do. But then, but then you know what was funny? 
as, as we all know, he ends up giving the little ball to Grogu in another dad move, which is conceding because you're sick of it driving you crazy. So you concede on the things that you concede on. Exactly. All right. So you said you got some Easter eggs. What do you got? What did I miss? Oh my gosh. Like, so you said that the very beginning felt like a flashback, but it was a call to how the Mandalorians are. They got displaced during um, season one. They were on a space uh, station in season two, that whole clan, which the children of the watch, which is a whole nother faction off. We'll, we'll talk about that down the road. But um, the one thing that we have not talked about, which we've got to right now, when they are in hyperspace, uh, Dinjarin and uh, Grogu, and they're going to um, Mandalore, Grogu sees those images in hyperspace. Yeah, I should have put that in Ask Beef. What the heck is that? Those are space whales. Um, they're, they got a special name. Uh, let me. It's like something I, i'm failing you see right while now. you're looking anyway. that up while you're looking that up i i thought it was just grogu having a like a, a force sensing moment where he sensed something beyond their little hyperspace tunnel no so it's they're perget pergels pergels and they're space wells that are able to travel in hyperspace hmm. and it's a it's a callback to rebels at the end of rebels they sucked uh admiral thrawn and ezra bridger into the unknown. And so there, Dave Filoni is making that connection from the animated series to live okay. action. And that oh, was like a, sweet. a big Easter egg that like, that was my, Oh my gosh. Moment for this episode was like, there it is. There's the space. Well, well, and they're going to connect the animated series to the live action. They're going to bring in Ahsoka uh, Tano again. Like it's all this big universe. That's going to come into, into the Mandiverse. So it's this big connection. That is a huge one, it sounds like. I, I've never gotten into the Clone Wars or Rebels just because, not for lack of wanting to, just time-wise, I don't have the time to get through it at this point. Um, a good bit going on. But that is on my list of shows to ultimately get through. And I know we had some Kenobi connections and uh, and Boba Fett. We had some, some Cad Bane connections to the animated stuff. But that does sound like a pretty significant connection to another animated Property. I think it's I think it's going to pay off later on. It's definitely going to pay off in the Sokotano, uh, the Sokotano series and maybe even the Skeleton Crew series. What else you got? Uh, help me out here. What, what else did we see? That was that was a big aha moment for me. Like that and the candy was like, oh my gosh. Well, those yeah, I wouldn't have got at all the hyperspace one, but I'm glad you mentioned it because that was it jumped out on my radar of like, Oh, I got to ask him about that. Cause I don't know what that is. I have a, I have a hunch, but I doubt it's correct. <laughs> well, and then, um, the big cannon guy in the beginning of the, of the, uh, the show, they're trying Pass. to fight off the, the big alligator. It's Paz, uh, Paz Va- You know who that is, don't you? Who voices that? Oh no, I didn't look it up. Wait, hold on. No. Who is that? Johnny Farve. It's John Big Favre? John. Yes. Like that's that's his been character from the animated series. Now to live action, he's always gonna be that voice. It's not him in the suit, but it's his voice. He carries that on. Just like uh. Dave Filoni Dave Filoni made that appearance back in season one as one of the uh, New Republic Rangers. Did he? I didn't even remember that. Oh yeah. 
So I love how they are such big Star Wars geeks that they're not just writing the show, producing the show, directing the show, but they're actually starring in it as little cameos throughout the series. Oh, yeah, I didn't know that. That's a good one. I'm, yeah. I'm going to go. We're going to hop off here, and I'm probably going to go watch the scene with Paz coming to the the young Manda Mandalorian's rescue and speaking again. I got to listen to it again. And remember, they had it that big uh, face off in uh, what was it? Uh, the Book of Fett on the space yeah. station. Yep. To challenge the dark saber. Yeah. Oh, so now I got to go watch that one again too, with uh, and, and listen for Fabro's voice because. I had to dig, dive deep to see where were they? Where did the beginning of of chapter 17 take place? Because I was like, they're in the caves and all that. They're by the water. but And then I was like thinking, well, could it be Navarro? But he traveled off somewhere to yeah, go to Yeah, he went Navarro. somewhere else. So it wasn't that. And I was like, so they had that big battle in season one. I think they were, left Navarro. They were on that space station for season two. Um, and, and Book of Fett because they were fighting over the Darksaber. Now they're back on a planet, but there's nothing that I can make a connection of the actual location. But they found a hideout where the armor has set up her shop to change over the Beskar into different pieces for the, the Mandalorian clan and to continue on with their traditions. So that's something to look out for going forward what else you got as we kind of wrap here uh what else you got for last thoughts or predictions going forward i i don't i I don't think i have i have not given it too much thought i've kind of just i enjoyed the first one i didn't think about what was to come obviously we're going to get uh din's hunt for the the rivers of mandalore but and i and i think we will get a a grogu kind of big battle scene where he's fending for himself and coming on top coming coming out on top of some minor skirmish. But beyond that, I don't have a lot. What do you got? Well, based on the previews, I think that the remaining parts of the Empire are going to be still chasing after Din Djarin and Grogu because Grogu is the future of either the Jedi, the Sith, or whatever. And I think it is going to connect to the Rise of Skywalker somehow. we got to see how that plays out. Hmm. But I think the main focus is going to be Mandalore. How does yeah. the planet Mandalore and the city of Sadara and the living waters play in? And how does that come into fact that Din Djarin's going to be the one, the chosen one, to bring the Mandalorians back together, to unite the people? And I think that's what season three is going to be about, is redemption and reuniting. Yeah, I like it. And I think that is uh, redemption and reuniting. I think that's a good place to stop. Thank you, sir. Appreciate your thoughts. Looking forward to watching episode two next week and getting back on here and chatting it out with you. I look forward to it, too. I have spoken. (laughs) 